Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtics Stuff Live with your hosts, Justin Poulin and John Duke. Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics, who are now 3-1 and one after a spirited comeback against the Milwaukee Bucks with Jalen Brown out. They take it down 116 to 105 and literally destroy Milwaukee. And even though Giannis's stat line looks good, the Celtics really owned him and got in his head something ferocious in the game. I thought Tice played some great defense. Shemi Ojale doing his Shemi Ojale thing. Not so much last postseason, struggled a little bit, but historically has been able to defend Giannis and did a nice job in this game. Uh, and also Marcus Smart, not only defending Giannis and not getting into foul trouble, thank goodness. Uh, and after what happened in Philly, pretty interesting that Marcus and Giannis mix it up at the very end of this. Probably the play of the game and the big swing in the third quarter was Jason Tatum with the block on Giannis and then coming down the other way and knocking down the three. But it's pretty hard not to look at every single Celtic starting in the lineup tonight as having just an amazing game, even after some of them, Jason Tatum being probably the worst, having a struggle in the first half trying to get hot. Right, I don't, and I, I didn't sure probably Gordon Hayward's name in that in the running for that one too. Missing his first five shots and and really, you know, looking really ineffective there in the first half and then second half, you know, I think he was let's see, if he missed his first half, he was 9 for He was ridiculous. Yeah, he yeah. was just ridiculous. He started to get it going in the second quarter, but almost finishes the game after not a great first half with a triple-double. How about yeah. that? 21-10-7 uh, with a steal, a block, uh, two turnovers. Uh, so that's a that's a three-and-a-half-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. Um, hits one three, you know, <laughs> I mean, or excuse me, three threes, three for six. I mean, he. this was all you could ask for and more. I mean, if you could have... 
you know, gone into the future and said, well, you know, how many teams can you really realistically expect the Celtics could could pull off a win against? Um, you know, the Bucks would be a tough one. You look at the size, you know, maybe after Philly, they're the, they're the second one that I would think that they'd have a harder time with. Even looking at some of the teams out west, you know, just because of the makeup of the Celtics club. But the biggest thing tonight, and you said it, and I know you're going to go to it, but um, the, the the heart of this team so impressive, so uh, exhilarating. Yes, there were some big minutes from Tatum, big minutes from Hayward, big minutes from Smart and Walker, but they picked themselves up. They were playing like poop in that first half, and this was a Brad Stevens team. No doubt about it. Yep. This was a Brad That's Stevens win. Bottom so, line, end of story. So clearly all about culture. And just watching Kemba not own this game and letting other players try to find their way, and especially somebody like Hayward, letting him dictate the offense, not ball movement better than most nights all last year. And this is why you swap out those two point guards. This is it right here. Now, you swap out Kemba Walker in for the player who shall not be named on last year's team. Just wonder how much different things might have been, especially I love the ball pressure and everything else. But looking at just the bench that they don't have this season in terms of experience versus the bench that they had last year with the share the ball mentality, moving it around, letting. And and I realized Hayward was not this player last year. This is a coming out party for him. This is um, I'm back. I got the mid range. I got the outside and I'm driving and attacking the rim and it's changing everything in the flow of the offense. And you look at Kemba, like I said, letting other players get themselves picked up off the ground and Marcus Smart really leading that energy and passion. And then right when they need to take on the lead and establish dominance, that's when Kemba goes high pick and roll, knocks it down, knocks it down, knocks it down, keeps the pressure on, and then distributes back to everybody else. It doesn't even have to be the guy that's making every single bucket in the last five to six minutes. He's just there when they need him. If anything, he was a decoy uh, in in many cases. So even Tice hits a three-pointer. That's how much they spread the ball in crunch time minutes. Fantastic. Yeah, and it was it was moving, it was probing. I mean, they what they clearly said was we can attack them in the middle of the floor. How many how many I don't felt like consecutive possessions. And one of the big beefs people have with Brad Stevens is he doesn't go back to the well and the same things that work over and over again. I think we're seeing that. Certainly we saw that Friday night against uh, against the Raptors when uh you know, Kemba had it going, and, and they kept feeding that. Uh, and I think tonight Gordon Hayward was getting in the middle of the floor, and he was creating. He he goes all the way to the basket. He has a little pull-up. And every time he has them guessing, and then ultimately, just as you brought up, the dish to Tice for that three-pointer, what, do you, what more can you do? If they're going to park Brooke Lopez in the paint, you gotta you got to attack the, the screen, and, and if they're going to play drop coverage – Pick your poison, Milwaukee. And and this was a difference from the spring. The Celtics had a Gordon Hayward who could make that play and, and make them punish the Milwaukee Bucks in the middle of the court. Not just Hayward, 
uh, going to attack the rim, but Smart doing it relentlessly. Even Walker got swallowed up several times but didn't give up and just kept fighting for it. And Tatum being very aggressive to try to get in there when he wasn't hitting shots, and then even more so once he did knock down a few three-pointers. That pressure into the interior of the defense was sincere, uh, not sincerely, severely lacking last season with the exception of the player who we will not name on this episode. And so that was a major problem. A lot of criticism going around for that. Celtics definitely could have used Jalen Brown tonight. Now, now that we walk away with a win, we won't say that. But had this second half gone anything like the first half, we would have. I found myself in early, middle, second quarter thinking, this is one of those games that really does have that underdog comeback feel to it. And the biggest reason was you could tell that the Celtics were getting into Giannis's head early, frustrating him and never mind the free throws that he didn't even hit the rim on back to back. That's not why I felt that way. That's something else that's going on with him. And I'm sure it contributed and made it easier for the Celtics to get in his head. But I just felt like he was not able to attack up the middle like he has in years past against the the Celtics. He has just come up the floor, gone right down the middle, gotten the and one over and over and demoralized this team. And they had a plan of attack for that that really just kind of kept him at bay. He still got his, what was it, 22 points and 14 rebounds? Like, make no mistake, he's still an amazing player. But this was not the typical dominating the Celtics kind of night. And that was. That was, I thought, critical, but the other part was the Celtics were missing open shots, and you had to think at some point if they could get the confidence that that stuff would start to go, and Milwaukee was hitting crazy shots from the outside. Even though some of them were open, not all those players that were knocking them down should have been hitting them as consistently. I think they shot well into the 60% mark when they were really dominating and going up by 18 in this game, and even that Chris Middleton with the shot clock expiring, like, turnaround heaver that totally splashes you got to think at some point watching games like this that can't continue for 48 minutes no absolutely not i mean look i'm kind of sick of the chris middleton who can make every goddamn shot in in the city of boston but But only against the celtics only against us well but but put him in uh, in china and he's He's mortal, completely mortal. I wonder if the Celtics should have moved the game to Chinatown and see if, if that might have hurt things. I, I have no idea. It was it's it's a lark, but man, he just he's in fuego in that building. It's I don't know what that is, but hell, it doesn't matter. I mean, look, they pulled it out, and you know, you look at and and this really all the hallmarks of the of the good matchups with Milwaukee were all there. They they held. Uh, Kumpo to mortal numbers, and when I say mortal, 22, 14, and 5. You know, I mean, look, he's the MVP. Uh, what, a you know, what a whim. No. Middleton goes <laughs> That's off. That's crazy. You know, he, he, he shoots 66% from the field, 3 for 6 from 3, uh, you know, 26 Connaughton cooled three. off. Thank God Connaughton yeah. cooled off because he was lighting it up early, too. Yeah. But look at Brooke Lopez, two for eight. Wesley Matthews, one for eight. Bledsoe, three for eight. This is a game I thought really they missed Malcolm Brogdon. Again, you know, this is – you look at what he's doing in in, uh, in, in Indiana. They're be, they almost beat had the, a triple-double tonight. Exactly, honestly. beating the Nets, yeah. you know. Uh, 
they missed him, and they spent their money elsewhere. They decided to keep Brooke Lopez. They decided to keep Eric Bledsoe. They decided to, to bring in Wesley Matthews, re-sign Chris Middleton. This is their team, and they really don't have a lot of shot creators outside of Giannis. Uh, you know, and Middleton can make a shot, but I don't know that he's a shot creator. Uh, so, look, this is this is what you get. You had a little, you know, a little flurry there from Korver, too, which is what he always does. And in the end of the day, the Celtics, the, <laughs> I, I still can't believe, honestly, I can't believe they won that game. I really can't. Uh, truthfully, I, I did not watch the I didn't watch much of the first half. I was at a meeting. I missed most of it. So I was fast forwarding through to catch up. Lucky you. Um, Lucky start, you. The caught. pain lasted only so long. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I caught up at halftime. So I was, I was live from halftime on and, and boy, you couldn't have nailed that better, but you know, it was, it was you know, that kind of 10, you know, 15, 10, 11 space. It was kind of push, pull, push, pull, you know, for a little while there. And then end of the first half, things, or end of the third quarter, things really started to turn. And, and to me, you know, you talked about the block. I mean, man, the block, the step back three, the high five of Paul Pierce sitting stand on the sidelines. I mean, look, if 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 you've got Celtics blood coursing through your veins and that didn't do anything for you, you got to find a new team. I mean, man, that was like that hit it all. That was like. That's it. Shut it down. I don't need to see any more of this. We're good. Uh, that was that was an amazing moment. So I love that. More more Paul Pierce, more Paul Pierce and Jason Tatum, and uh, I'm I'm in. I'm all in. Yeah, total total statement game, and the crowd really just relishing what they're seeing this year over last year. You can just see they're energized. The fan base is back. They love what they're seeing. Thank God for all of us. Follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke and the entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media. Facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. YouTube.com slash CLNS Media for high definition and full length locker room interviews that you'll want to watch tonight night and the garden report baby so yeah statement game as much as game one playing against a very long and lengthy team was a little bit frustrating with this celtics club this totally turned it around for me and i even felt watching that philly game and i did predict three and oh and thank goodness we waited one more game to uh, come on and record so we didn't predict this one but thank god we waited because it still would have been a great show. Two nice wins against Toronto in a back-to-back with New York on the second night. But basically, that first game was frustrating. They had to work out some of the kinks. But that length, I think they showed tonight. And again, Philly's a little bit more versatile, to your point. But they showed tonight that they can play against that length, even when they're smaller. Tice did have some really great defensive moments out there. Grant Williams was... A little up and a little down, but some great defense a couple of times when it really mattered when they were going on that run. And a guy that, you know, they pulled him onto the bench, they talked to him, and he came out and did it right about five minutes later into the game. So, obviously, Brad trusts that they can teach him and tell him what he did wrong and then come back out and have faith in him again, which is excellent. But I think, honestly, that that Philly team that may have looked a little bit more dominant 
in that game one is not so far away. And you mentioned Brogdon being missing from this team. Uh, I realize that Simmons can kind of play that role for Philly, but still can't hit an outside shot. And I think that the Celtics might be able to match up better than we think. Could they use somebody in the middle? Yeah, they could still use somebody in the middle. There's no doubt. But even Rob Williams is learning quickly. I mean, he's made some mistakes, but he's definitely making some use of his athleticism. How about that dunk in the first half where it didn't look like he would ever even reach the rim? And we've seen players come up short and put that ball in the front of the rim and come down with a failed dunk. And he not only threw it down, but got so far out that he actually was able to swing off the rim before coming down. You just he gets to that rim from places on the floor that nobody else in this league can get to at that size. No way. When he gets it put together, and I think it could happen by the end of this season, he's going to be a legit beast. I I I love I love when you see things on the court and and there was a play that Tatum did too where um, kind of that same same realm where it was like, how did he do that? How does, you know, like the long strides and all of a sudden it's like teleportation or something, you know? I mean, Robert Williams has that has that ability of, of moving space and time. Uh, you know, it I, I, you know, when those things happen and you see it, it's like, did I just see that? Did, did something happen with my TV? Is there a with those plays just they kind of get you like um you make it makes you appreciate how special these guys are as athletes just um unbelievable unbelievable stuff and you i know what i really love a bunch of stuff yeah uh, well you you fix that and i'll tell you what i love no what i love what I love is the Kemba Walker face when he's feeling it. That little face that he shows after he makes a huge play. Like, he's not a big braggart. You know what I mean? But he just gives you that face, and he's like, yeah, I'm a killer. <laughs> I just love him. He's a mean mucker. He really is. But, but he's you know, so okay. team-oriented. He is so right. in it for everybody. It's yes. so cool, man. Yes. Yes. I mean, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more out of the bench today as well in terms of scoring. I mean, you got a total of five, eight points out of your bench today. That's not great. But when you get 25, and we got killed in the first half, especially by the Milwaukee bench, right? Like the Milwaukee bench killed our bench. Yep. Yep. No doubt. But, you know, you get you get a situation where, um, well, I guess I wasn't sure where I was going to go with that. But I guess my point uh, pulling back from that is, you know, when you have a bench unit that uh, can score, and I think you'll get more scoring out of that. And, and having to pull smart into the starters, he was really the only thing going early. I thought that in terms of what Kemba is doing, Kemba had 32 points. He had six rebounds and six assists. But at no point did I feel like, this game was going to be won or lost based upon whether or not Kemba Walker makes it happen. Kemba Walker was a huge role in making it happen. And this may seem a bit kind of stupid, but I'm going to just let me hear me out. (laughs) Put this together. It felt like he was a piece of the puzzle towards a win, a major piece of the puzzle towards a win. It wasn't resting on whether or not Kemba's good or Kemba's bad whether or not the Celtics win this game. And he who must not be named, 
I didn't feel that way. It felt like this was a team effort. This is the effort from what we've seen from Brad Stevens' teams before, a much more talented, broader, deeper team. But you still had a point guard at the center of it, like you had with IT, like you had with he who must not be named. And yet, uh, you know, a little bit with IT because I think he had a different mindset and a different mentality and a different um, role with his teammates. It felt like Kemba was a function of the larger whole and and not someone who is uh, uh, requiring no, he his teammates to be, it, be about dictate. him. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. He did not dictate what happened with the rest of the team. And that's yeah. and, and Kemba, I mean. Yeah. And he who shall not be named dictated the mood of the other players on the floor. Yeah. And and I realize that, you know, you could say it's a yin to the yang and that Kemba dictates the attitudes of the other players on the floor by lifting them up and sharing the ball and not having to hog it and all those things. But that's not my point. I literally felt like that the player who shall not be named sort of determined the attitudes of the other players out on the court with him based on how he was performing. And it wasn't like I'm letting you guys down. It was like, we're not going to win because I don't have it tonight. And he sucked the confidence out of everybody else around him. And that, that, and, and maybe we're saying the same thing in a lot of different ways, but at the end of the day, you know, you're right. We never sat there and looked at the game and said it's all about Kemba. And if Kemba doesn't do it, this game is lost. It was definitely never like that. As a matter of fact, you know, Marcus Smart got to emerge in a way that he never would have emerged last year in getting this team going. It would have had to all been defense. It wouldn't have been the threes. And, and there were just so many things that he did tonight that were so important. So I, I have something I want to talk about on the bench. But first, the football season is in full swing. So get into the game with our exclusive Yay. sports betting partners, betonline.ag. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to Start betting college or professional ball. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser, straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the season. You can even bet on wild proposition bets. And you missed them because there were good ones out there, like who will be the first head coach to get canned, thanks to the Patriots, and will the Dolphins win a game? Get the fastest to market odds, updates, and payouts with our new sports bet par- Sportsbook Partners, betonline.ag. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So here's the thing. You talked about the criticism of Brad previously about not going to the well until the other team figures it out and just abusing them on that. But here's another one. The rotations have always been serious criticism that's been levied at him. Why can't he figure out the rotation? Why doesn't he adjust? He's trying too many different people. Well, in the second half of this game, and especially in the fourth quarter, the way that he managed those rotations and substitutions, so to your point, only the starters really contributing, not a lot from the bench. But what he did was is he brought in the bench players. He got them to do specific roles almost entirely defensively. The switching was amazing. And he kept enough of the starters out there and resting, but put the right players in and told them to kind of know their role. And he got away with it. He really stretched them out 
out in a way we didn't see in game one. I feel like the first game of the year, we got slaughtered by Philly and the bench, and that was difficult to watch. But tonight, he really filtered them in in such a strategic way. It definitely helps that Ojale can play good, solid defense and can body up and out-muscle or at least muscle up with Giannis. That's a big, big factor to why he was able to do that. He's got Milwaukee's number. He knows how to play this particular club. Two years ago, they were able to to kind of get in Giannis's head. But last season, they struggled. And honestly, game one and the post, it's just getting the players to do it. I'll say one other thing about the bench, too. I want to talk about Carson Edwards, who has struggled to start the year, and I think things were a little bit easier in the preseason. But I think he's just got the rookie jitters. I think this bench is going to score in bunches, and I think Carson's still a big piece of that puzzle because I think as soon as he just kind of gets over the adjustments, the game only needs to slow down a little bit for him, and he needs to realize where his shots are instead of every time he touches the ball beyond the arc in in the NBA offense. and his, especially the way teams play defense, and they'll strategize for him. But if he can just make sure he's open and calm down just a little bit and just get that snap on his release, I think he's going to start scoring in bunches. I think everybody's got to be a little patient with Carson because it's coming. No, I totally agree with you. I think it's I, – I, you know, there was a lot of this, well, he hit eight, eight threes in that third quarter against Cleveland, so why isn't – you know, he should be ready to go and scoring 20 a night almost. And it was like – Come on. I mean, look, the, the the kid needs he needs to get his legs under him. Right. And this is a Celtics team that needs so many players to kind of establish themselves a little bit. Right. I mean, you've got I mean, Tatum's trying to trying to, you know, reset his his where he gets his shots from. And Hayward's trying to get back to where he was. And Brown has has done some things and Smart's done some things. And Kemba's trying to fit into a new team. And those guys have got to come first like those guys have got to figure out their own stuff fit together and we're seeing that that's working you know and Carson is just not a priority in that and Carson's got to figure out how does the game work where does it work how does he fit into what we're doing here and you know he can't the problem is is his type of game is he's either making shots or he's missing shots that he can defend that's nice that's great but unlike you know, say someone like Grant, who can use his, his intellect and his, his size, you know, strength, I guess, his girth, to, to rebound, to set good screens, to move. I mean, Carson sets himself up to be a guy who scores the ball. And so if he's got those, those jitters, which he clearly had opening night against Philly, uh, and really sense, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a struggle for him. He's just, he's gotta settle down. He will settle down. And the Celtics are gonna have some low leverage situations where, where Carson can can find his legs and get himself, you know, established. But right now, there's just too much else going on right now. And I think, you know, in time he'll get there. I'm, I'm not I'm not worried at all about Carson Edwards. Just like I'm not worried about any of these guys, really. I mean, even Romeo. I mean, look, it, it's going to take time. It's it, that's just the way it's going to be. But and it's uh, going to okay take with totally. It. Lots of Chipotle, like like $4,500 worth of Chipotle. That'll get him going. Hey, 
so uh, you make a great point. Um, and, and again, just about the bench and it'll come together, et cetera. But here's something that we talked about a decent amount last year. And we've already talked about two factors that differentiate this year from last year. And I'm not throwing out Horford on this one, but I am going to say that we've talked about the player we can't talk about. And we've talked about how Hayward is definitely much better than he was last year. And, and that could be that could have multiple factors to it. But he's tonight anyway, he was the player that we were all hoping he would be able to be this season after a full off season of work. But here's the one factor I want to throw into the mix. Do you think the fact that the team isn't so deep and that players, especially on a night like tonight, five starters all putting up great stats and getting a chance. Do you think the shortened rotation with an established top six players is helping the team as well because they are doing a little bit more routine things? Because that long yeah. rotation was an issue last year, right? That was yeah. the big thing. It's like, how does everybody get into a rhythm? How do they get the minutes? Not enough minutes to go around. Tonight was a really tight rotation, with good, you know, guys off the bench just kind of doing one thing that they're asked to do well, maybe two. And we can bring Jalen Brown back, but I don't think that's going to be a detriment to the team. You definitely need six. And Marcus Smart is going to definitely be in the running for six man of the year, the way that this is all shaping up. And Brown's probably up until tonight had been their best player through three games. Uh, just on outside of the foul trouble, you know, his just defense and the way he was controlling himself offensively. <laughs> Bless Sorry. you, John. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to hit button, the, the, the mute button. The mute it button, didn't work bro. on me. Oh, my goodness. Did you get any on you? Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Awful. That's that's the type of professional audio that we get here on 15 years of Celtic Stuff Live. I hit the button. It didn't work. No, I did it. That was great. It was more noise than anything else, if that makes everyone feel better. I don't know. Anyway, please. Go ahead. Do you think this shorter rotation is making an impact and helping them find themselves more quickly this season? Compared to last year, yeah. I mean, it's – but I think it's not less about rotation, and it's more about excising two players who thought they deserved larger roles and that – the impact that had. You know, and I'm not I'm not throwing Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris under the bus because they could have been helpful and they could have been very and they were at times incredibly helpful towards that team, but they weren't. They were there just were too many guys. There were too many mouths to feed, you know. And this team seems to have a much better balance, and that you know when you have a fully healthy um, you know Jalen Brown and a fully healthy Ennis Cantor. You have two guys on the bench that you know that can get, can go get you buckets. I mean, we I'm saying of the five who played a ton tonight, Tatum, Hayward, Tice, Smart, Walker. You know, if you have Ennis Cantor and Jalen Brown sitting on your bench, that's a great piece to you know place to be. I don't think that last year, you know, the the numbers you had on the team last year really lended themselves to be able to feed everybody. I think just too many guys playing the same position, you know, whether it's Brown, Hayward, uh, Tatum, and and Mook, that was just too many people. And I really thought they should have moved on from Mook earlier, but so be it. Uh, and you did say that several times. 
and yeah. and you were down on Mook, and you know we obviously saw him yeah. Saturday night against the Knicks, but you were I, I was not agreeing with you because I felt like they needed some sort of a lift, you know, oh. to survive that chemistry issue that was developing there whether people will admit that it was going on or if it was really out in the open for everybody to see, we all felt it. We all felt it. And it takes guys with Marcus Smart's passion, which I would say rivals Paul Pierce's passion. They're not the same player. Marcus is totally different in the, his leadership style and defensively and really brought the leadership a lot earlier already in his career than Paul Pierce did when he finally kind of hit that veteran status and got the players he wanted to play alongside but the charging up the crowd it was interesting because seeing marcus and the way that he does it and the way he drives that crowd and then you see paul kind of along the sideline it was the first time i saw the comparison but i was like man there's something about the passion and the love of boston that is very comparative there even if their playing styles are so different well and you know i would also say that you know it took a while for it took a while for Paul to be that guy. I mean, I think he was cheering on the fact that his team was doing well, but particularly after 08, I mean, he was Boston was, was what it was about for him. You know what I mean? And I felt like that was, that really changed uh, for him and his relationship to the city. There was, it was a completely different dynamic for Paul Pierce after 08 than before. And and he's has embraced that. I wish he would. I wish the Celtics franchise would embrace that even even more so, uh, because uh, they have been. Um, you know, I, I think that you know part of it's because Brad Paul's the guy the guy who coached him. I think that has a yeah. lot to do with it. But I wish they would they would throw their arms more around Paul and and, and in particular work him with with Tatum. I think. He recognizes it's a three and D game, and and that's or a three, uh, you know, threes and layups. And he would have been a different player uh, if he were playing nowadays, um, much more so than maybe somebody who's more stubborn like Kobe Bryant. Yeah, Paul is one of those guys that you know above everybody else from that 08 championship team that would really stick around in Boston and let that presence be felt and give those guys a lift in the locker room and kind of, you know, become part of that success. I I think you're right. They should embrace it. They should bring him in more, maybe because he's an ESPN announcer. It's a little bit different, but he is definitely the guy. And here's, here's the other thing. It's the captain. It's the captain piece and the dedication to Boston. Like Marcus, better never leave this town because he's one of those guys that could stick around forever. He could embody the franchise and he's that guy that boy, if they trade him at the very end of his career, you're still going to always see him as a lifer, as a Celtic. You'll never see him in a Brooklyn Nets Jersey. You'll never see him in a Washington wizards Jersey when you see him out, you know, after retirement, but definitely a guy that, that is Celtics basketball, and he you'll always see him as a Celtic. So I hope we reward you know Marcus and, and keep him around forever, and I hope he gets enmeshed with the franchise, and I hope that what you just said happens too. I hope Paul kind of gets more and more into the fold as time goes on because he's he bleeds Boston through and through. The way he's cheering like a fan on the sideline tonight, just awesome. And how yeah. can you how can you not embrace that and let him be part of that? And, you know, every player who retires misses being on the floor. 
Give them the juice, man. Give them the juice and give them the juice in their hometown. Let them, let them come and be part of it, you know? So, Walter McCarty was on the bench, right? So, why not? Absolutely, he was on the bench. And, you know, and I just, the eras, that's, I think that's part of the issue is there's just, I wish there was a greater connection to that, that 08 era. I wish there was a greater connection to the 80s era. I mean, it just, it feels like, in a way, we're a victim of our own success. I mean, we've got even perks on ESPN, for crying out loud, you know? I mean, they just don't roll through Boston and often enough, in my mind. And, and unless, you know, Kevin McHale's working a TNT game, you know, it's it's just, it's too far uh, in between uh, these guys going around. through. None of them stuck around, and that that's the thing. Like, Paul, very early after his career ended, stuck around. Like, you see these 80s guys show up, and I'm not trying to be negative about that that team and those players, but they all moved on. They all went back home. They all left Boston. And, and I realize I don't think Paul lives in Boston, but he's in Boston a lot, and he likes being in Boston. So, you know, if they gave him more to do, or if they incorporated him more or whatever, you'd see him stick around. And I think that's what takes, like you said, one era into the ne- into the next, and it helps build that Celtics lore. You, there were plenty of those players from the 80s that would come around. But you want a fixture. You want a fixture the way Tommy's been a fixture since his playing days and then his coaching days and now his announce. Like, you want that to continue from players that have had an impact on this franchise the way Heinsohn has, the way Paul Pierce has, and hopefully the way that Marcus Smart will. But, all right, that's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. For staff writer Samuel Elias. Executive producer Larry A. Trussell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and for my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live. So we waited an extra day, uh, or an extra game, I should say, before we recorded. So because they kind of have a light schedule, which is good because they have a tough one, Nice that they'll get a night uh, a rest after this game against the Bucks, but they're going to play the lowly Knicks again on Friday night. So our predictions for this week: uh, I'm going undefeated, one and zero. You are so bold, so brave, so willing to stand up in the face of yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, I, yeah. Look. Oh the event before Tuesday night, since they play Cleveland, I'm going still undefeated, two and zero. Yeah, I, 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 somewhat agree. I mean, this is after a tough start to go three and one through that that run is is pretty remarkable. They could absolutely be five and one at the end of all that before they have to, you know, start going. Actually, they got they got the Hornets after that, so they really should be six and one before they. You know, start playing the Spurs, the Mavericks, you know. So this is the toughest part Rose of the early schedule. could have a major chip on his shoulder. I w- I'm not going to sleep on that Hornets game because it's an away game. Uh, but they should beat him up good. 
Yeah, no, I I hear you. I hear you. There is, but looking, you know, just looking down that road, the Hornets are kind of meh. And, uh, you know, I think, I think we're, I, th- I think that not to say that they're through the, the toughest part of the schedule, because clearly there's a lot left, uh, you know, to be said in terms of, um, you know, being able to lose on the road or, or to lose against teams that are scrappy in the early going. We certainly saw that last year, but, you know, Porzingis, the- yeah, like he's sure. on fire coming sure. back after not playing last year and yep. lots to prove. And that's really a two man game going on down there in Texas. Yeah, I mean, and and actually, the the Spurs are the only undefeated team in in the uh, Western Conference too. One of only two teams in the league. So, you know, hey, let's we never know. But look, let's just stick with the one game. The Knicks and then the Knicks were scrappy. Do not forget. I mean, that was that was three quarters of kind of five point game ish type stuff until they really blew the whole thing open. Yeah, they just took it over. It was almost like they were sleeping through the first three quarters of a second on second night of a back to back. It was, I was a back that the whole time we were watching it. I was like, eh, I think they're just going to run away with this. They're just waiting for their time. The same way that Philly kind of toyed with Boston and then pulled away in the, in the later, you know, you know, maybe late third and through the fourth of that first game one, I felt like Boston was doing the same thing to the Knicks. I know I what you mean. Know. I know what you mean. But I, Boston I was felt one like up Philly that had game. that game. We'll forget. I, I, I think Philly. I felt like Philly could have pulled that. Uh, could have pulled ahead, but I, I also felt like the Celtics were the ones ahead in that game. You know, and they just kind of fell apart. Um, you know, a stretch there in the second half. I thought really against. Uh, you know, against New York, I, I agree with. I felt that was more toying with them and and not being as focused, making some kind of dumb mistakes and just kind of letting them back in as opposed to just kind of stepping on their throat. You know, also the second half of back to back too. I mean, it's not an excuse. We talked about how the Celtics have now, you know, kind of back to being the Celtics and and playing tough in those types of games. We talked about that earlier in the show. So if that's the case, it shouldn't have mattered, and ultimately it didn't matter. But you so know, are you going one and zero, or are you trying to tell me that the next game is a sleeper? I'm saying, yeah, I guess I am. I am saying it is a sleeper, but I, but I don't. I think the Celtics win. I think they win by twenty. I think it's 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 absolutely going to be uh, a situation where Gino will will make a make his uh, his probably his uh, appearance. Uh, no taco, no taco. And I've got some big news. I'm going to go see Taco fall for the Red Claws season opener. Uh, nice. Opener. So uh, that will be uh, – look forward to talking about that here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that will be really cool. And uh, that whole place in Portland is going to be bananas for him. Oh it's, they are billing him big, and he's big, and it's going to be big time for you. That will be a lot of fun. Hey, speaking of Philly – the camera angles on this, you know, Towns and Embiid thing is actually horrible. I really want – I kept trying to find a different camera angle, and even the start of it, by the time the camera got focused on what was going on, and that's because they stayed back at one end of the floor while play continued going the other way. And you kind of get the camera picks it back up, and you catch just real quick that Embiid seems to shove Towns – and then Towns kind of comes back at him, takes a swing, puts him in a 
kind of realizes what he did, and B comes back. He puts him B in the headlock. Then there's a scrum, and then other camera angles, the other ones that they do have that kind of the cameraman showed up late. All of a sudden, you see Ben Simmons putting Carl Anthony Towns in a headlock while he's laying on top of him on the ground. There's going to be major, I would think, suspensions. Like A lot of people are like, yeah, just one game. I don't know, dude. The, I, the league hates it when people throw punches. They hate it when the bench clears. There could be multiple games. Um, I think as far as Minnesota's concerned, it's only Towns going out. But Philly could lose both Simmons and Embiid. I, I think Simmons is only going to get one. Yeah. Uh, but Embiid's going to get a lot. All Embiid's, and Embiid's probably going to get more than Towns because of the way that he lit up that Philly crowd, which is so Philly, by the way. I mean, I live in the area. I can say this. You know, that's very Philly. You know, they throw batteries at Minnesota Vikings fans, right? So um, it's kind of, you know, that that kind of rough exterior kind of thing. And he's jacking the crowd up. I think he gets multiple games, you know, because of how he handled it as well. Yeah, the the trying to gouge out someone's eyeball usually kind of gets people uh, a game or two. I, I mean, I, I look, I don't think anyone's going to – I don't think we're talking about 10 game or five seems to be too many, too. I mean, I think you're probably a one, two, three uh, in that kind of vicinity. But absolutely, I, I, I agree. I think Embiid's going to be out. And look, probably Philly's not that upset about it. They like to load manage his stuff anyway, so – and that's why they have Horford, so they can they can survive. Uh, they can suffer for that. Yeah, and, and arguably, my opinion, arguably they you know they they may be more dangerous because Horford is a better stretch threat, and they can park Simmons down on the block uh, once he is back from whatever sort of suspension they do give him if they do give him one, and. That's probably a more dangerous Philly team because I do I continue not to believe that Simmons and Embiid work together. I just I refuse to believe that. Even if they win this year, I believe that that the teams will build themselves to beat that and will be able to successfully. I'm just yep. not a believer in that roster construction. At Wouldn't all. it be cool? Because there is apparently history reading Goodman's tweets that Embiid is shooting his mouth off all over the place that he owns Towns and he's in Towns' head. Wouldn't it be cool to bring Towns to Boston and just shut that man up and put them away? Like, I mean, I'm not saying I definitely – I know he's not on the block and – there's a lot of me that wants to kind of do this small thing and see how it goes because it's fun. It's fun to watch that ball movement with so many guys who are willing to pass and pass well on this roster. But there's a little part of me tonight that was like, that makes me want Carl Anthony Towns in Boston just so that he could join the Celtics and shut Philly up and specifically Embiid. Embiid is, Embiid's one of those polarizing players. You love him if you're a Philly fan and otherwise you think he's an arrogant prick. And he, he is. <laughs> I think he and is. I really do. He is. Right? Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of Embiid. I mean, he's hella talented, but I'm not a fan of his. He needs. I really, I really need somebody in that league to show him what's what. And they yeah. just, they don't. We need They're Kevin abusive. Garnett back in the day yeah. to just, you know what I mean? Oh like, my give it God. To him. Garnett would. 
Oh man, he would relish the opportunity. That's he what would, he would up one side, down the other. That guy, it would he wouldn't even know what to do with himself. Oh my god, that he'd would be cobra. Fantastic. He'd cobra his ass. He'd yeah. get down low and yeah, pick up his shorts. You know, pick up the okay. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No better time to say. And if you're still listening, you're welcome. You are so welcome. (laughs) 